Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Dun, da, da, da. Da, 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 da. It's Inside Conan. Unimportant Hollywood podcast. And this week we have an interview we did when we were in New York. Wait, who's who are we? Oh, uh, please. Doesn't it say <laughs> when you when it comes up on your phone and the, who the hosts are? Maybe it doesn't. I'm Mike Sweeney. I'm Jesse Gaskell. And we're writers of the Conan show, and this show's all about things going on behind the scenes of Conan, but it but also <laughs> uh, it tackles world problems and politics. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's the total, it's the and only podcast you need in your life. We also have a weekly cocktail recipe. Yeah, I, that's right. <laughs> For entertaining. Um, no, we don't do most of those things. Uh, but we why do. Not, why not lie? We do do have interviews with we former do do. Conan writers such yes. as Brian Stack. That's right. Brian Stack uh, joined the show in 96 and uh, has an encyclopedic memory of every experience of late Oh, my night. God, he does. And he's um, one of the he, most beloved, well-known uh, writer-performers from the late night days. Yeah, and he's truly one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah, no, he's great. Almost it's an act, but Disturbingly but yeah. nice, yeah. On the surface, incredibly wonderful. <laughs> no, he's very, very thoughtful and sweet and, and just uh, an amazing, I know, every time I see him, I'm like... I've, it's got to be an act, I know, damn it. I know, You want to almost want to throttle him and yeah. provoke him into telling you what he really thinks of exactly. you. Maybe, um, maybe we do, or maybe we Yeah, don't. maybe we do. No, this was one of the uh, interviews we did in New York. Yep. That's where Brian is now, because he yep. writes for the Colbert Show. Is yep. it called that? It's The Late Show, yeah. The Late Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen the Late Colbert. Show, of course. Um, so that's where he is now, and yep. he's in New York. Let's talk to him. Great. Right. I, I'm nervous to interview this guest. You are? Yeah. <laughs> I love Notorious that. hard ass. <laughs> oh, man. He is. One false move with this guest. I know. You the rage will, comes yeah. boiling over. You will feel his verbal stings. <laughs> no, we have with us the nicest man in Hollywood. Oh, you're too kind. I, but we're in New York, in where New he's York. a prick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. One of the meanest guys in New York City. It's Mis coastal dependent. Exactly. <laughs> we're here with Brian, Brian Stack. Brian Stack. Legendary. Oh, you're he is too legendary. Kind of, it's so great to see you both. It, yeah. It's great been to too long, you. and I miss yeah. you. We yeah. miss you, too. Oh, he's Miss Stack. But we still get to see you on TV, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks. It's always yeah. fun to see you, too. <laughs> we came all the way to New York just to talk to you. Oh, well, it I means mean, a lot. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. really, it's true. <laughs> no, we're here for the upfronts. Sure. 
And uh, they were like, well, why don't you interview some people? And, of course, you're at the top of everyone's list. Yes. Well, thank you. It's, yes. great to, it's great to talk to you again. But you were yes. hard to get because you're actually – you have a job. So that's <laughs> – I know. I love trying to just yeah. schedule this. Originally, it was going to be uh, tomorrow, which is your – you shoot two shows on Thursday? We do. Usually, we shoot – You uh, work at the Colbert Report. Yes. I'm yeah. not the Colbert Show. No, it's okay. Yeah. 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 yeah we, uh, we usually do two monologues, uh, at least, and sometimes uh, – Sometimes the show gets pieced together, you know, in, in, right. in pieces. But um, yeah, it's uh, today was a little crazy because the up, it was the CBS upfronts too. Oh, and, today, uh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, so I know everybody's going through that this week, right? Too. So, uh, were you guys involved? Do you do they you suck have to you write into material them? for it? Like Conan had to appear at the the Turner now the Warner Media upfront. So I didn't know sure. if, if you guys got roped into writing stuff or if Stephen had to do anything. Some of the writers didn't. Stephen did do something over at the at the upfronts, but um, I was kind of working on other stuff today. But mm-hmm. uh, it was fun to watch. You know, just yeah. to, it's always it's always a little st- strange to watch those things because so weird. The advertisers, you don't know what kind of an audience they're going to no, be. No, yeah. I, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rich audience. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it goes well. I just I remember Conan doing them too, and when yeah. Little Jay Leno came out years ago, that was a famous. <laughs> I, we we had a character, Little Jay Leno. Yeah, what? Who, That's yeah, great. a little person who did an. Oh he looked God. exactly like Jay. It was an Andy Blitz special. It, he, he was. It was in. A one little beat of a long kind of pageant sketch that a writer Andy Blitz did, mm-hmm. and. The reaction to this little Jay character was so electric. It was like we right yeah. afterwards in the hallway we were like, uh, "What are you doing the next four, four months? Because we're going to have you on all the time." He was also little Gene Simmons in the band Little Kiss, where they would do Kiss covers, right, but they were all right. little people. He was great, Joe Joe Fatale. And so um, they wanted to you borrow him from our show for the upfront, but. They screwed it up. Like they, they well, you go ahead. Well, they, I think they introduced him as Jay Leno, not as right. little Jay Leno. Right. So oh. I think the audience was very confused yeah. why right. this little person in a, a sports car was right. driving out onto the stage. But uh, it and was, then the well, car. Well, he might be short in real life. I mean, maybe <laughs> the show right. is shot with forced perspective. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, the car broke down. It was a, it was a toy <laughs> car. And I remember, right. and it was Radio City Music Hall, which I, I don't know, is like a football field wide that stage and he just car stops he's (laughs) waving the audience has no idea like why did they say this is Jay Leno (laughs) and and then stagehands had to do that walk of shame come out and slowly push him across (laughs) it lasted 10 minutes it took him 10 minutes (laughs) great upfront moments from years past. This is, but I love you have a great memory, Brian. Yes. Um, oh, I mean you remember yeah, you remembered that actor's name, which is incredible. Yes. But I yeah, I just remember starting at Conan and and you had you always had great stories. Yes. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I, I always uh I used to tape like all the shows and like all bits and musical guests and stuff. So oh. I think sometimes I I remember that stuff just because you. I watched sure. it more than when it was just on the first time. Oh, yeah. right. okay. Like, and I would tape all the Twitter, musical acts. You like. often will post some of your favorite clips. Yeah, I really geek yeah. out on Twitter with uh, music stuff music. or old comedy bits. Right, or right. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll post McCann and Matt Walsh last week. I posted them doing the What Hurts More channel. Oh, you wow. Because Matt was, uh, was finishing up with Veep, and I was just like, wanted That's to just, oh, It yeah. just made me think of the What Hurts More channel, which mm-hmm. was just McCann and Walsh. Being Ow! insane, hitting, hitting themselves other. with stuff. Right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, it's fun. I, I do. Uh, I love all those old clips, and and I I love that 
they're all going to be on the the Kona website now. Like, well, I know that's not a rush thing. Oh yeah, eventually, eventually. <laughs> the, but right the, now, I'm always grateful yeah. to the fans that put them on YouTube because no, I don't know how to put stuff on YouTube. So I'm always so grateful that a lot of our old silly bits yeah, are floating yeah. around. You know? <laughs> yeah. Do you get uh, do you get recognized a lot from just walking around New York City? Very rarely. Like I think. Um, I think partly because I think, as you know, like a lot of the characters I did, I was buried under wigs That's and yes. hats and yeah. beards. You don't wear those Locked costumes <laughs> anymore? Well, the interrupter? The, well, it was usually, like, if I looked like myself, it was usually a bit for someone else. Because, like, if I wrote it myself, I would usually put crazy stuff on. But uh, the Slipknots I did uh, occasionally get recognized for because I looked like myself. That's true. Like an Irish bartender at uh, on 48th Street goes... You're one of the Slipknots. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I am. Oh, that's great. He's a nuthead. I yeah, exactly. Without the, without the sweater. <laughs> they put the uh, Slipknots remote up online. I love that. That was really when fun to see. When you guys opened for the actual band Slipknot. Oh, that was yeah. That was so insane. I remember just before we went on stage, you might have heard this, but... Uh, the stage manager goes, be careful out there, guys. These fans throw batteries at the bands they like. Right. <laughs> so so uh, Glazer's like, if I get hit with a battery, man, I'm yeah. going to be really... And Blitz, we ran out on stage and they the crowd hated us just as much as we hoped they yeah. would. <laughs> they were booing and throwing beer cups and giving us the finger. And uh, Blitz said later that we should have run out for an encore. An encore, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which I really wish we had, but we'd probably be dead. Yes. So. <laughs> he talked about that uh, on oh, the yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. That's right. I and heard he, that. And I could see Glaze, like I'm sure Glazers were like, "Oh no, man! I'm not, <laughs> no, 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 no!" I'm not yeah, we went on after Lamb of God and before. Slipknot. Oh, you were the middle. Oh, yeah. Middle. <laughs> so Lamb of God's out there with their like Cookie Monster metal vocals, like, no, 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 and then we come running out, and we, the audience yeah. was so confused. And <laughs> oh, I love you. Had a, I didn't realize there was a band on before you guys. Yeah, that's, uh, they were really great. intense too. So the crowd was warmed up and ready. They were. For you three. <laughs> it was so surreal to go out because I'd been to arena shows, but I'd never gone on stage at a place that size. Yeah. So it, it kind of hit us all of a sudden when we hit the stage how huge it was. Yeah. <laughs> and how confused it, the crowd was. We made a mistake. Was. <laughs> right. <laughs> it really, that was pretty obvious right away. <laughs> it would have kept running <laughs> right off the other side. Exactly. So uh, you're working at Colbert and that's, it's five days a week. It is, yeah. We we usually uh, we don't usually tape on Fridays, right. but uh, it's kind of like the old Kona days where right. you know we would have one day where we would work, but not mm-hmm. necessarily try to tape. get ahead on the next week. Yeah, exactly. Work on upcoming yeah. stuff, and but um, your show's so topical, it's probably hard to bank stuff. Am I? Uh, I I mean, I don't know. You sometimes know. it is because I know sometimes uh, the some of the stuff later in the week, you know, by necessity mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is a little more evergreen or right. something. Like, um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting process because. I know in the Conan days, like a lot of the stuff we did, if it had to wait two weeks from then, it was just like Tommy Blacha lassoing cupcakes or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It was like, oh, yeah. this isn't time sensitive. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Everyone knows, people know cowboys two weeks from now and rope tricks. <laughs> or McCann doing the world's oldest stuntman right. running down the stairs. And um, I do love just pure silly like that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, there's a fair it's, amount of that. It's my favorite stuff. <laughs> I thought of you, you a character that you did, the the crooner ghost. Oh, yeah. yeah. Artie Kendall. Artie Kendall. Yeah, that was... Uh, Just because of the Kate Smith controversy. Oh, that, right. Yeah. That was crazy. I was that genuinely kind of, shocked that there were songs that... Like I, I knew yeah, we can't even talk about. I know. <laughs> That's true, exactly. I know. But it was weird because like, I always was like... 
Artie Kendall was a racist, misogynist monster, right. you know, who got murdered. And I, but uh, I thought he, I thought his lyrics were so above and beyond in offensiveness from what really existed. And right. I guess they were kind of no. in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. No. I, I wonder if we can Maybe. put those up online now. <laughs> you know, yeah, right? I, Maybe you could. I, it was funny because originally I. Uh, we had done some other bit where Gordo had somewhat, Michael Gordon had someone half faded in, and I was like, wait, how do they do that? And then I, I uh-huh. got the idea that, oh, what if a ghost appeared? And, right. and I started thinking, well, Rockefeller Center's been here since the 30s. Right. There were probably old crooners like Bing Crosby mm-hmm. singing in right. this very studio. And it just kind of evolved from there and got darker and darker. Right. And you'd be like, here's a little dinette sing <laughs> yeah. for the ladies out there. <laughs> well, I remember hearing that Bing Crosby had this dark side, and it right. always seemed very strange to me that a guy was like, hey, Junior. Right. He would also have like these this right. horrible. Horrible side. <laughs> horrible dark side. Did he talk about how he had been murdered? I mean, did we know? He did, yeah. yeah. At one point, I think I... I it was think it came up that he was beheaded mob. by the League of Women Voters. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> they, I think they, the, yeah, I think they forced him to dig his own grave, or something. <laughs> and he deserved it. And I, people really liked it. And then it, it got hard to keep. Uh, yeah, it's like with Wiki Bear. It's like keep pushing uh, the envelope. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, it was weird too because I, I didn't <laughs> think I'd be doing it more than once. So otherwise, I would have varied the song a little bit. It was always the exact same it melody. Was. It was. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, no one, no one calls you out that it's the exact same melody every <laughs> right. single time. I kind of love that about <laughs> comedy bits that where they don't like. I mean, some people might think that's super lazy, but <laughs> I just kind of love it's the same melody. Yeah, there's an obvious thing that no one talks about. Yes, yeah, exactly. I, was, I, I always appreciated that people didn't make a stink about that. Like that, right. they just kind of roll with it. <laughs> well, the internet was young back then. That's true. Now, well, and we should just—you brought up Wiki Bear. Yes. Um, but that's, I think, one of my favorite bits that you've done. Yeah, thanks. I remember when that came about. It's a sort of a perfect example of your talents because initially there was a sort of a different joke for Wiki Bear, right? There was, yeah. Todd Levin and I were. Yeah, you were, and Todd would bang them out. Yeah, yeah, because right? yes. it, it came out. Uh, there was a new toy Wiki Bear coming out that was using information from Wikipedia, from Wikipedia. and we yeah. started to joke that well, Wikipedia isn't always completely reliable. Right, so right. Mm-hmm. I think it was going to be that he had a lot of misinformation. And yeah. then in rehearsal, one of the stories was a little bit dark and Conan started joking, why not just talk about the Manson family, Wiki Bear? And so, <laughs> and I know way too much about that yeah. stuff. And so, Conan does too. Right. Yeah, yeah, so we just started riffing about right. the Manson family. And I, I remember Conan saying in the rehearsal, I think this is the bit. I think it's Wiki Bear talking about He always goes really dark of, into, right. yeah. Yeah, so then it would end up being the Donner Party and, yeah. and uh, you know, the Black Plague and all this right, right. horrible thing. But it would always be... There was and an was endless kids, well of, So that's why it, it's sort of the perfect use of, of your really upbeat <laughs> yes. character. But then... Uh, yeah, always. Hey, kids. Exactly. I think someone pointed out that was a recurring theme in a lot of stuff I did. Even when I would write stuff for Joel, our old announcer, right. it was positivity, yes. but mm-hmm. really dark stuff being presented in a really positive yeah. yes, way. Yes. And I think I've always been a sucker for, for that. Stuff that freaks me out or scares me in real life, it's my way of kind of dealing with it. Right. Or it's yeah. a cathartic kind yep. of thing to write about it. <laughs> I think I, I told you this. I think I saw you angry once. And oh, I, I remember that. I think you didn't. You were coming around. You remember the, the one time you were. Angry. Oh, I remember the That's one time great. it made an impression on Mike because <laughs> yes. I was. I my shoulder was was really bothering me, or I'd hurt my back or something. Right. And uh, there was another time though too where Glazer saw me. It's scary. I, yeah, it kind of freaks people Sticks out. Like, oh, Jack McBrayer saw me get really mad once. Glazer was doing a bit 
that wasn't even my bit, but it was really funny. And it was with a wireless mic and it started failing on him. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it had, for some reason, the bit had to be do, done that day. So it got ruined by the mic not working. And I was so frustrated with it. I was in uh, Conan's dressing room with McBrayer. This is long before he did 30 Rock. It was when he used to mm-hmm. do bits for us. Right. I just like, what the fuck? And I threw uh, my script down and Jack said later, that was like watching your dad cry. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he'd never seen me get mad. But it was like, it was just, I saw Glazer's bit get ruined. And right. once in a while, it just, and I cleared my desk once. Glazer was walking into my office, and I was on the phone, really frustrated about something, and I was late for rehearsal or something. And I just literally took my arm and sweep cleared my whole desk oh, in one great. motion as Glazer walked into oh, my, my office. <laughs> wow. And he just stared at me like, uh, I think I think if I learned to express anger in a healthier way, those things wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Every seven years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like a comet. That, that I think was that's probably... what I learned from my family. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Bury Save it, it up and then explode. It. Yes. Yeah. Then it comes out in an irrational outburst. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I had seen you. <laughs> I'd like to put stuff on this desk and have you sweep it off <laughs> as well, a final moment today. Were some of those things that you swept off um, plates with peanut butter on them? <laughs> oh. I always had so much crap and soda drink cans. And I saw an old photo of my office in really Dirty Rocket. Diet. It was just covered. You couldn't even see the desk. It was just so covered with crap. <laughs> Levi, who took over your office, says he'll occasionally find like pe- peanut butter or something somewhere <laughs> on the desk. Oh, man. <laughs> I've always been classy. <laughs> well, no, but you, I mean... For the most part, you're known for being just one of the most cheerful people. Yes. Oh, thank you. To the point that I sometimes... When I first got was getting to know you, I was like, "Is he making fun of me?" <laughs> Seriously, <Because> he, <laughs> it's like he can't. He's just so nice, or he sa- he'll say good job on something. And I'm like, I know it wasn't that good of a job, so he's got to be sarcastic. Well, I think it's hard for people in comedy. <laughs> I struggle with this too because we, a lot of times we're coming like what got us into comedy was all this like insecurity about yeah. are we doing a good job? And I would I get the same way when people are positive. I'm like, ah, it, right? Are they just? Yeah. Like, no, that is not a comfortable place <laughs> yeah. to be. You yeah. Just show me the, like, avoid eye contact with me. Then I relax. I'm like, okay, I know. I get this. Yes, they well, didn't They didn't like what I did. Yeah, I remember Conan saw me pacing in the airlock at uh, outside Studio 6A once in my early days at uh-huh. late night. And he said, Stack, you know what you are? You're one of those playwrights in the 30s pacing in front of the theater in his tuxedo <laughs> waiting for the morning papers <laughs> to arrive. And I was like, he always had the perfect metaphor for yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> used to say Dorf was like a 19th century uh, construction worker or a gang member. He goes, Dorf, wh- right, shouldn't right, you be right. off throwing cabbages at Lincoln's inaugural <laughs> train? <right>. Yeah, just, <laughs> so he would always have these riffs where he would sum us up with like right. historical a references. Specific historical, yeah. <laughs> Dorf wouldn't fight in the Civil War. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Still mad at Lincoln. <laughs> no, he had a, what was his basic riff for, for you? Oh, God, I'm trying to remember. He used to sometimes jokingly come up with nicknames like he'd go, Stack, you alabaster ape, because <laughs> I'm so pale. Oh, right, you were the alabaster ape. Mm, he, yelled right. at, he yelled that at me once, and it was always the, – the funny <laughs> thing was with Conan, it's always with total affection, but um, I always wondered when people would come in from outside the office, right. they would sometimes think like when he was making fun of Jack – from being from the oh, south right, or something, right. he was doing it with nothing but love and affection, right? And he would only do that to people he liked. But sometimes I would like do outsiders 
know this is a bit, right? Because he would he would uh, sometimes walk in there before of us on a couch and be like, "Hmm, Mount Rushmore of incompetence," <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. And I'd be like, "We all know he's just right. that's just him joking around." Yeah, but, yeah part uh, of you. Wonders. <laughs> there is. Is yes, it really a joke? My mind. Well, he went after Jack in a long riff in that uh, Conan O'Brien Can't Stop, that oh, tour right. documentary. And I know people who said to me, like, oh, I really. Yeah, and I was so used to that. I didn't. I just like, oh, there's some really funny lines in there. And mm-hmm. and Jack's clearly, it's back and forth. Right. I, uh, and but people are like, oh, that I I like the documentary except that part where he, I don't know why he went after that poor Jack McBrayer like that. And Jack's such a good improviser that yes. he would roll with it and look hurt. Right, so he'd be right. Like, oh, that's not how I talk. Yep. <laughs> and uh, his acting is too good. Exactly. Yeah. Well, he would play it very realistically. Right. Like his feelings were being hurt, even yes. though he knew it was a joke. But a lot of sometimes the crew guys would even think. Uh, Cohen was being mean to him. Yeah. And, he, and it was yeah. understandable yeah. if you watched it. It was very realistic. <laughs> I, I remember Jack's first time on the show in a sketch, and he was so funny. It was all the writers were just like, oh my, like immediately. I remember that bit. It was was the that over- your bit? It was my bit because I It had was done, so funny. Well, I had done that in an ASCAT. It was the overconfident prison inmate. Uh-huh. And it was just, I, I had come into a scene in ASCAT, and yeah. I thought- Oh, Jack's so much better for this than me because uh-huh. uh, he's just got that cheerful, yeah. like, so we had him in a really pressed prison shirt and he came in and there were two huge guys with tattoos mm-hmm. lifting weights. And he goes, hi, guys, I'm new here and I'm taking over. <laughs> and they just immediately kill him with the weights. With the, like with the bar, this guy just plonks him in the face <laughs> yeah. with a barbell. Exactly. He goes right down. Oh, it was great. He, he was absolutely perfect for it. He and, was great. Um, I think I, you could tell Conan loved him. Immediately, yes, yeah, just and like with Amy when Amy would come in and do right, bits, like right, Amy right. Polar, you know, mm-hmm. in the early days. Yeah, the UCB was like a rep company for us early yeah. on. Yeah, you know? yes, it was amazing. They were on just all the time, and they elevated everything. Tube. They did. I they always a- made everything better. Amy and Matt Walsh did a satellite channel that I remember the first one of the first times I saw them, and I was like, "Holy cow!" It was, I think, a simple idea. It was a husband and wife. News anchor team. Oh, yeah. And they started doing the news, but then they started sniping at each other. And it elevated to Matt Walsh just going, and just overturning (laughs) the desk and storming out. And they were, yeah, they were great in everything. Yeah, first sketch I ever wrote was Andy's little sister and Amy. Was that the first one you wrote? Oh my it gosh. was, and and Amy Poehler was in your first it's been, sketch it ever. It was. Well, she was. It's been we all knew, downhill. We knew you. her in. It was kind yeah. of, and uh, we we knew her in Chicago. Right. And mm-hmm. I was originally going to get a real thirteen-year-old girl for it. You know, like get a real, and uh-huh. uh, then we were like, could Amy look thirteen? And when they put her in the pigtails mm-hmm. and the oh headgear, mm-hmm. and the performance was just right. And I felt so bad afterwards because I thought I was so new that I didn't know that. The audience doesn't really read along with the cue cards. They're looking at the monitors. Right. So I was like, hey, can we do it without cue cards? Because oh. then they won't see it. So she memorized. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, so you act, they actually went along with that. They it, didn't use cue cards. She didn't use <gasps> cue cards, at least the first time we did it. And I felt so bad later on because I had never done a bit in the audience. Right. I didn't know how right. hard that would be. Yeah. yeah. And she nailed it. And uh, wow. she's, I mean, she nailed, she's always yeah. fantastic, obviously. I always worried about that with uh, anything with the audience. Uh, just reading, a, yeah. That was my fear, and reading along, and because they do like to getting to the joke. 
Oh, uh, I used to go to the cue card guys like you're, you're putting up the punchline too soon. And, oh yeah, but like, it, none of that matters. I realized later most people are just watching the monitors right. to see the. the They're watching TV, so they don't have to. That's read. Right, yeah, exactly. That's right, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to read your stupid cue cards <laughs> in different colors. I, know. I didn't know that was your first sketch. That's I think it. That was. must have felt fantastic. It was. Yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah. I think I, in some ways, like I. I think that might have been one of the reasons I was kept on, too, because I was originally, I don't know if you remember this, I was supposed to be there for 13 weeks. Oh. I don't it, remember that. Because I, I was filling in for Tommy Blotch, who uh-huh. broke his leg, and right. um, I thought freak. I was going back to Chicago, and um, it turned into 18 years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I sometimes wonder if that was one of the, my, at least part of the picture. Because you had a home because, run right away. Well, and yeah. she made it, it was such a simple idea, and she's the one that kicked it into this right. memorable sketch, because it was a very simple, simple right. idea, and she just nailed it. And um, no. I don't know for sure if that's the case, but I think no, it, might, it definitely helped. You were hilarious and prolific. Yeah, I'm sure I that think. you, yeah. one performance of yours, and that would have kept you around, too. I don't remember doing stuff early on, though, like did as a performer. I did yeah, a little bit. I, th- I remember I would come in as like a doctor and just hand uh, like a clipboard to somebody or <laughs> something. So but, beneath uh, you, yeah. I think that was. Yeah. But it was uh, it was always fun, and um, you know, I remember actual uh, items being one of my favorite things to write early on. And actual <laughs> items was great. Yeah, Th- those were fun. Everybody loved. We those. we would make a pile of them. There'd be like thirty or forty of them, mm-hmm. and it was fun to just. Rehearsal, and a lot of times we do ones that we know. Oh, there's no way. That's just going just on. for Conan. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> just for him to get mad, or ones that are so dark. Like I remember one for an ad for knives. I think it was Tommy's, and it just said knives are quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes they were dark, but they were yeah. acceptable. Right, right, right. Then other times, one was for an oven. And I remember it said, startle the natives with your firebox. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so they were all insane. <laughs> right. They were always. Uh, well, but, let's go back. So you said you you came out from Chicago just to do this 13-week gig. Yeah, and, and I was so how thrilled. how did they find you? Was it through Andy? I mean, who are you? Who were your sort of connections at the show? I think it was partly, uh, it was partly Brian McCann okay. and mm-hmm. Greg Cohen mm-hmm. and Tommy and Andy knew who I was. And I think they recommended me to send in some ideas. Mm-hmm. And luckily, they liked them enough to... I don't know if I would have gotten hired as a full-time writer from the packet I sent in, but they liked it enough to bring me out for the 13 mm-hmm. weeks and then... Luckily, they like the stuff I was doing after that, but I'll always be grateful that I got to work there so long. And, um, that, and for the 13 weeks alone, I would have been grateful, but right. to stay 18 years with so many That's great people. amazing. You know, it was just And a, what were you doing in Chicago at the time? Like, were you auditioning for things or were you just enjoying doing, were you doing Second City? I'd been working at Second City for yeah. the previous four years. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of feeling like, it, even though I loved it there, it was kind of feeling like I was... I was feeling kind of an itch to try something new anyway. So the timing was right. just perfect. ended up being kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. Wow. But uh, I loved uh, I loved working there. Um, but like I had known McCann and Andy from the old improv scene there uh-huh. and uh, all the UCB people uh-huh. and, and Colbert and Carell and all them were like heroes to us, like watching them on the main stage. And right. I still remember Conan coming to town in the summer of 93 with, with oh, wow. Smigel. They yeah. were looking for... For I think they were still staffing up, and uh, they came to one of our improv shows, and I still remember that. And uh, 
So there's still like this small part of me that thinks of Conan as a new guy. Right. Which uh-huh. is insane because that right. was 26 years <laughs> right, ago. Right. But I still, there's still this part of my brain that thinks of him as who's the, the kid? new guy. Yeah. Right. Because he, he was like 28 or mm-hmm. something. So were you guys all like, who's this guy? Because I, I know stand-up comics were, uh, yeah, you know, that guy's not a comedian. Well, he can't host the sh- He can't take over for Letterman. Well, I had heard how hilarious he was uh, mm-hmm. from my friend Claire, who used to date Bob Odenkirk said, uh, there's this guy who works with Bob at SNL who's just, everybody says he's the funniest guy in the room. Uh-huh. And it, it was, And I remember the name Conan because it was right. an unusual name. Uh-huh. And I was like, and then when he got the show, I go, oh, that must be, that's that got to be the guy. It turns out it was I a different Conan. I know, exactly. <laughs> that would have been, be nice if it was more common. Why but did, I was why so, did they get the other one? But I had heard how hilarious he was. And oh, I, wow. I always heard he was like, one of the funniest yeah. writers, you know, yeah. and um, and there was always a part of me knowing that he'd come out of improv and everything. That right. I always know that uh, maybe it's just a prejudice I have coming out of improv, but I was like, I wasn't really surprised when it worked at all. Right. You know, but right. Even though he was might have been really nervous early on, who right. wouldn't be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His stories about the early time where like, oh, wow, he had to learn how to perform in television Cold, yeah. like, like there's no warm up. There's no like, oh well, you'll have your a little show mm-hmm. on, you know, Comedy Central. I just not jump that right into these big. But shows. back no, then, no. Comedy yeah. Central wasn't as big as it is sure. now. Or, or I, I know people who started hosting little kind of interstitial shows and kind of got their sea legs mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, there was none of that for him. You know, it's just yeah, it was get out there, trial by fire. Absolutely yeah. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> it must have been. I give him credit just for having the courage to do it. I, I've always admired like the fact that you all have done stand up and came out of stand up. I could never imagine doing stand up. Like I always needed to be on stage with other people, like in an right. ensemble. So right. I was oh, always... improv is so much scarier. Yes, to me, improv is <laughs> the few times I would do it, yeah. I'd be like, I, hope... I need to go write stuff down first. I, I, can I be a bystander? It's so sketch? funny to me that that so I've heard that from a lot of my stand up yeah. friends, and I I always feel the exact opposite. Uh, I'm yeah. always like, uh. no, you're up there by yourself, and. You're you're being yourself. You're not like playing a character. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, I mean, you can, I suppose, right. play a persona. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I always was uh, like at Second City. They used to even make fun of me if I had to go out and stall and talk to the crowd by myself. I'd be like, oh, please don't, uh, please don't make me. Go. Please, like, I would please, watch I'll do, do anything else. Why would anything funny. other than that? I would watch you do the warm ups for the crowd or McCann doing the warm ups, right. and I'd be like, I could never. Never do that. And so it, I had so much respect That's for it. That's crazy. You know? I can never just, do what either of you do. Yeah. I really can't. <laughs> oh, oh, no, oh I'm serious. Oh, oh, could. Now it's getting well, really bad. So, Brian, when you moved to New York, then did you get involved with UCB here? Or what? when did you start uh, performing there? When I first got to town, we had known the UCB people, as I said, in Chicago. And so when I got here, it was so nice to know a few people. Like uh, when Amy and, and Matt Walsh and Matt Besser and Ian Roberts left it Chicago. It wasn't competitive because it was like, oh, the... Two long-form improv schools or... Oh, well, actually, because there was no Second City here in New York... <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and Amy... It, all of them, most of them had worked in the touring company at Second City, too. Mm-hmm. But um, they had... when It was so nice when we got to Chicago... When we got to New York to have this little community on Sunday night to go do the Cat show mm-hmm. because it was like... It was like a Chicago reunion every right. week. And it felt like, like you were going bowling, you know, with your friends or something. Right, right, right. So it was just... We, we would cling to that and... Um, 
the early days, uh, it would, they didn't even have their own space at the time. It was this rented space on 17th Street, Solo Arts. and, uh-huh. and uh, But I could tell right away that people started getting interested in them teaching classes. And I don't think they'd come here with the idea of teaching classes, but that kind of just all evolved. And then I, I just... It's amazing how much it's grown. Yeah, because it was yeah. so small. It, same yeah. thing happened in Chicago with Improv Olympic, and now called IO. And oh, right, everything just exploded. And the LA, as you know, the UCB in LA is huge oh, now. Oh, yeah, right. Like, it's do, do you know how? Do you know when they came to New York? UCB ninety six, I think. Okay, so it was right a few months or a year before you came. I got in, here in April of ninety seven, mm-hmm. and uh, they were they had already kind of established ASCAP right. as a Sunday night thing, mm-hmm. but it was. Uh, and they were getting small, kind of loyal followings, and a lot uh-huh. of, a lot of people who later ended up becoming UCB regulars, like John Ross Bowie and mm-hmm. Rob Riggle and, and uh, Brian Husky and all them, used yeah. to just come and uh, see the shows, and then they got involved, and mm-hmm. and it was, uh, it it just couldn't believe how fast it grew. Yeah. You know? Well, there there really was a lack of improv, weirdly, or maybe not so weirdly. There, there weren't a lot of improv groups in New York City, so there was a real. Uh, it was fertile ground. Mm-hmm. That's true. Andy Daly said they, they, there was like a, a Chicago City Limits, but right. I don't know exactly what they were doing. But Andy Daly and some of those other people were doing stuff there. But they said, as far as improv goes, there wasn't much. No, there yeah. wasn't. It was it was it was mostly like there's a lot of t- too many stand up clubs. Oh, th- and you, very that was l- when you were were doing it pretty regularly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Th- that's. How you know there were too many clubs? <laughs> uh, but you I, I worked regularly. But you were but, awesome. You know, no, everybody, please. everybody knows that. No, yeah, they do. <laughs> Drummed out of the business. Well, <laughs> I remember you guys always talking about Catch Drummed Rising out. Star and Drummed everything. And yeah, Catch Rising Star was great. It was fun. Uh, <laughs> How uh, do you feel like improv has really helped uh, your sketch writing? I mean, do you do you get a lot of over the years? Have you gotten a lot of ideas for characters from? Improv shows. Well, I was I was consistently amazed how often just us screwing around in the office. Uh, oh w- yeah, which it, the the office We'd always get felt on very air. yeah. It often felt very mm-hmm. improvisational, mm-hmm. like the bulletproof legs thing that McCann did. That was from us just screwing around in the office or in the room in the writers' room. Yeah, or, or McCann doing the FedEx Pope. I remember him putting the is. FedEx. <laughs> he put a FedEx box on oh, his head no. and was just blessing us. Uh, he'd and go around right. and told the writers, "I bless you, I bless you," <laughs> and yeah, it's. Especially in the environment where uh, we Late have nights. no show the next day. Oh, yeah. It's like, um, you're going to wear that hat on the air. Yeah. Well, that's how Slipknot's, yeah. you know, it was probably 1 a.m. the night before, and we noticed the band Slipknot was on the show, yes. and we had no comedy. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of the best stuff was just from desperation and sleep deprivation. Absolutely. And, and pizza. Yes. A lot of pizza. <laughs> a lot of pizza. I remember and, we had mice running through the halls in the early days. Yeah, and, uh, a lot of mice. Tommy Blotcha would, would throw cornbread at them and go, get out of here, mouse. And he would throw exactly what the mice wanted <laughs> exactly. at them. So he would. He, he would and then more mice would come. Exactly. And throw more cornbread. They, Jesse, they would seriously be just running down the hall. I, I, it was <laughs> awful. I remember the exterminator coming. So like, uh, do you guys know you have mice? Yeah. Yes, we're feeding them. Yes, actively. Tommy put sandwiches in the ceiling tile. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Over many, many months. They're, oh, I guess they've. I think when they redid that. That floor is like, I don't want to be around when they, <laughs> they pull down the I tiles think. in the conference room. <laughs> yeah, after that, I, I don't remember seeing it anymore. It. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You're talking about giving people their kind of like using Jack McBrayer and other people. Is You know, I was thinking of Paula Pell recently. 
Because oh, yeah. we used to use oh. her. She was and, awesome. And we loved, she was a writer in yeah, SNL. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know whose idea it was to start using her. Did you Did you know her? I did not know Paula, okay. but I I had seen her in like opening bits, right, uh, at SNL, and didn't oh, know like, her name. But I thought she was very natural and real, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, and very funny. And um, she always would deliver. She just yes, you could always tell she was a really great actress. Great. Um, we started she, using her a lot. Yeah, she and was she great. was yeah. hilarious. She was great. Yeah, she's she's. I remember seeing her. Uh, a few years ago in Birdman in a small part uh-huh. as oh. just a Midwestern mom. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's great. It, it, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was always obvious she should be doing more acting. Right, right. You know? And J.B. Smoove. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. He yeah, was he, a writer at SNL. Uh-huh. And I was always amazed, why isn't he on camera? Because, yes. yeah. like, I think Michael Coleman might have uh, discovered I be the I one who brought remember. him in. He brought him in for a sketch and was, well, he's J.B. Smoove. But, but we had never, no, we hadn't seen him before. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my God. We can't believe this yeah. guy's up at SNL, and we start. They started getting mad at us because we started using them. <laughs> well, yeah, like two or three times a week. But I never. I wasn't seeing him on camera on SNL, and I was no. like, another case where you weren't surprised that they went on to do right. other stuff. I think that's very common, though, where you're you're working at one place and in a one capacity, and maybe it's they don't natu- think of you. They that don't way. think of right, you that right. way, and so then, but someone else. Coming from the outside, like grabs you. I mean, yeah, like Tim Robinson, you know, who has that hilarious right, yeah. new sketch show. I, I guess he was uh, mainly writing at SNL, uh-huh. and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this is another thing against like the people who have been on camera on SNL because there's been so many great people. But sometimes some great people kind of it's, get a little underused, yeah. you know. Right. Well, it, it's. I mean, it's so hard there. There's so much. So many talented people. Yeah, it's it sounds like be. such a so you're playing like yes. twelve dimensional chess yes. politically. And I'm sure. Yeah. I, when I hear stories about SNL, uh, just yes, that twelve dimensional yeah. chess aspect. It's all like Game of Thrones. My, oh, <laughs> oh man, it, it is. That is that is a tough environment because I know people. Yeah, writers there, and they you know they were like, yeah. I would go home every night and cry. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it was always a, a dream job, you know, for so yeah. many of us mm-hmm. in yeah. Chicago. But looking back, I was like, I don't really know if I could have handled it, like handled the uh, that kind of intensity. It's, like Late Night had such a nice, it was high profile enough that you were getting right. your stuff out there on television, right. but I never felt like we were under that kind of scrutiny and intensity. Exactly. <laughs> it was the script. Yeah. It just yeah. seemed like a lot more pressure. And also for us, a, it, the one fun thing was we were so desperate to fill the show every day that every, you know, everyone was just like kind of collaborating and trying to help each other get stuff on, you know, which was great. Yeah, because you felt like, well, if it doesn't get on today, if we like it, it could be on tomorrow yeah. or we'll have Thursday. time to fill tomorrow, too. <laughs> exactly. Last, lassoing yeah. cupcakes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because it, it didn't feel like it was uh, your bit or my bit. Right. It was like, hey, if we like them both, they'll, they'll both get on. Right, right, know? right. Which yeah. is always really nice. Well, it does seem like that sort of that time early on when you started, Brian, uh, was it, you were sort of under the radar still enough that people could kind of uh, there was experimenting happening. And uh, did it feel that way when you started there? Like it, it even it felt like that at the TBS show, too. Like, yeah, I, I've always, it's always felt. felt- yeah. yeah, under yeah. the radar. It, I mean, <laughs> I mean that in the best way. Like, not under the radar, but uh, there was always a sense of play and experimentation, and mm-hmm. a kind of what the hell, let's try yes. it atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. and um, I always uh, really appreciated that because 
we could really take some big swings. And right. sometimes you'd you'd completely miss. Like I, I yeah. always remember. And sometimes it would be stuff that would make us cry laughing. Like Glazer did this character, the Reverend Otis K. Dribbles, John yeah, Glazer, yeah, yeah right. who was just wearing a hound dog mask, dribbling. I can't possibly translate this over a podcast. No. But I was literally in tears, crying, laughing, watching it, and there was no response from the audience. Uh, yeah. And the only reason it stayed in was because when they cut to Conan, he just said, "There is no more. That's it." <laughs> and that got a laugh. Yeah, yeah. But I, so often, a lot of our favorite stuff was, yes. was felt like it was more. Uh, we loved it, more and we're niche. like, we yeah. hope the audience would love it. And sometimes they, when Conan, they did, it was the perfect storm, you know. But he'd refer to it sometimes as not comedy, right? But I still argue with him about. We had an arg- argument about Otis K. Dribbles <laughs> a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. like, he brings that up. Yeah. That's his example of you know the writers just going off up their own ass. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I still think that's hilarious. And. We're we're working on the archive to put online some old, and I looked at it alphabetically. We we did it five times. Oh really? Which, oh, that's great. Which I kind of love because I remember he hated it the first time we did it, but we still forced <laughs> yeah, it for yeah. four, four more, more ta- times. That's a, yeah, yes, that's well, a recurring bit. <laughs> well, those would often be the things that other comedy writers would bring up yeah. like or people mm-hmm. that later became comedy writers because right. I felt like that about when I would watch SCTV right. I remember Rick Moranis uh, Conan said at the Aspen Comedy Festival Rick Moranis said to him if we'd had a live audience we might have caught a lot of the stuff people love the most mm-hmm. right. because it wouldn't have gotten a big audience response but it was stuff that comedians at home and future comedy writers found so inspiring because right. it was like wow that was kind of like just for me or something yes. like, yeah. it feels yeah. kind of like this precious little secret thing you found. Mm-hmm. I, I remember discovering that show in college, like coming home and it was on some weird station down down on the dial and just like, oh my God, I have to watch this now every week. I was the same way. Oh it wasn't boy. promoted or anything. It came on after SNL and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and uh, it was like stumbling onto yes. this pile of gold. Yeah. And before, <laughs> I think before it was on after SNL, it was, I think it was just syndicated. I could be wrong. Like, as before Martin Short was on it. And- yeah, this was mm. the syndicated one with okay. Harold Ramis. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, all yeah. The, and uh, the really early low-budget ones yes. where it was just done up in Edmonton in a little studio, and they had no audience, and they were just doing what made them laugh. Oh, and man. It was it was great. Yeah. And that's how I are working with you. We were always really trying to make ourselves laugh first. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's why I think uh, I have so many great memories of working there was yeah. just because th- it was always fun to just try to mm-hmm. it would be like i i really want sweeney to laugh at this or jesse you know yeah. just to and if the audience doesn't go for it as long as the crew yeah. is oh, laughing yeah, right, right, right. a room of comedy writers is much harder to get on Abs- board than <laughs> unless sometimes every, it's yeah. late and everyone wants to go home yeah yeah all of yeah. a sudden everything's funny <laughs> i know so and we then, got something for tomorrow we we're yeah. good okay mm-hmm. good let's get out of here <laughs> well you learned i remember early on uh I said, I think that'll work. And John Groff said, okay, you, you've you figured out the difference between what will work and what you like. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, there are times where you're like, okay, it's 2 a.m. Uh, this yeah. will probably work. And yeah. we'll try to come up with something we like better. But yeah. sometimes it's a volume business. <laughs> it is, yeah. The other late night, uh, like a lot of times at 10 p.m., it'd be like, um, this isn't that funny, but is Abe Vigoda around? Because <laughs> at least the crowd will just cheer seeing Abe. It was awful. We used to bring Oldie we'll Olsen in a lot. Sometimes it felt, because yes. Oldie was mm. so 
reliably funny that'll be like, yes. and then Oldie will come in and do something. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but half of the thing with him was him going off the rails. Right. So, mm-hmm. exactly. Yes. There's certain times you, you just kind of felt dirty. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're putting Oldie in as a less beat. <laughs> we'll figure out what he does later. Right, right, right. But He's I available. Love- yeah. We'll figure it. We'll reverse engineer it. Exactly. I, I always knew we were trying to make it the best we could. Right. And there were just times where, but I loved that we would just take some swings, you know. And oh, was, yeah. That was the most fun thing about working there was just yeah. like. A lot of let's swings. See what, let's see what they think. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it is, I mean, it's sort of, that's what I think is is the the blessing and curse of writing that type of, for that type of show is that you I mean, it, it is what it is. Like the the final product, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's just the best thing that you could do in the time you had. Exactly. But, you know, you can't dwell on it too long. Right, right. You have to do something else for the next day anyway. Yeah, we had one, one sketch Tommy and I worked on once. It was just this passable thing. And I remember he came by my office and he goes, slot filled. <laughs> <laughs> like we filled a slot. Like yeah. he was, he said it with great yeah. pride. Yeah. And like like yes. we basically just filled a slot. Right. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, everyone gets very cynical about it quickly. <laughs> You're always trying to do something really memorable. And, yeah. uh, and sometimes you do. That was the magic of it. You're always yeah. shooting for that. You know, it's funny. I had, Did you have a preference for pre-taped things versus doing live? There's a real excitement to doing live sketches on the show, obviously, of the crowd there, and it's the stakes are high. I, I used to enjoy, like, there's almost, like, safety hiding out doing a pre-tape because mm. you get to edit it and yeah. mm-hmm. kind of control it. And, you know, it's it's a different kind of energy to putting it together and everything. It is, and I, I love them both for different reasons. And um, I was always amazed, though, how much could be added in editing. Like, right. Yeah. Like when uh, we did the inappropriate, Clive Clemens' inappropriate response channel. Right. Like Tommy put in a lot of effects in in the editing room yes. that made it much funnier than mm-hmm. it was just, it, than it would have been doing live. Right. But there was an excitement to doing stuff live because it, it felt, with the size of the theater being kind of small, Which it felt great. like you were in a live theater, like in a kind yeah. of a black yeah. box theater yeah. in Chelsea or something. Yeah. So sometimes I would forget that it was going out into the airwaves. Mm-hmm. Like you felt like you were doing it for the people in that room. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that was uh, a self-preservation thing right. where in your head you're like, it's just for these people. Right, right. You know? and, oh, uh, that's you the so only way to think about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had never thought about it being... On TV, I, I didn't either, and yeah. I, I think that was probably healthy. You know, sure. to just kind of just say, "Okay, we're going to do it for these people." That oh, no, but Jesse's right. You, you, you were always like money in the bank. You, oh, I don't yeah. remember Thanks. you ever making yeah. a single flub ever. I know. Thank you so much. I, I always tried not to. I like. I um. It's I like you're th- more comfortable in front of an audience yes. than even just like one on one. I think I definitely am. <laughs> I've always been more comfortable. Like performing than I am like at a party or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was funny. Sometimes when things would go wrong, though, it could be really fun. Like when I remember once I stumbled during a Wiki Bear line and uh, mm-hmm. and Conan called me out on it, uh-huh. and it ended up we ended up having fun with the fact. Oh, or, I, right. Or I came down the stairs once as God, and that ended up in a blooper <laughs> reel, oh, and I yeah. slipped because I'm clumsy. <laughs> I'm clumsy in the best of circumstances, uh-huh. and with sandals on, I'm really hopeless. And I was coming down the stairs, and I slipped a little, and he's like, "God, have you been drinking?" And <laughs> it ended up being this conversation oh, right, about, right. and I was like, "Yes." So sometimes, or like when McCann's wig fell off. 
He shot himself once and his wig fell off (laughs) and uh, he's just laying there supposedly dead, but he's laughing and those... That sketch we watched, Uh, we definitely have to get that online. I don't know if it is. I think that was, I I saw it recently. It's... um, was part of a Super Bowl preview. I was like, what did that have to do with the Super Bowl? But I, I and Andy Blitz is in it. He hits Blitz with a bottle and right. then shoots himself. Right. Like it, it made no sense. And um, they were just a couple of wild men, uh, crazy sports fans. And uh, yeah, a lot of times there those were my great favorite physical moments. Yeah. Moment. But yeah, we used to have a lot of guns on the show. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes I know we we would fall back a lot of on suicide. that. But <laughs> that's was, another. That was a <laughs> Ava Goat is not available or, or oldie. Okay, just shoot someone at the end <laughs> and throw it a commercial. And uh, I remember uh, when we did Bulletproof Legs, McCann kept asking for more and more blood, and I right. think the censors ended up complaining. They're like, "You can't have that much blood." <laughs> we yes, <laughs> we used to. Just... You should explain Bulletproof Legs. Oh yeah, I well, it started. I was sitting next to McCann cannon and in a writer's meeting we were just waiting for it to start and i pretended to shoot him in the leg and he started singing a song about having bulletproof <laughs> legs and so i shot him in the chest and he fell off the chair dead oh. and we're like oh just the legs are bulletproof <laughs> and we're like um that could go on the show tomorrow oh yeah <laughs> and it was literally a complete accident and uh i remember the the guy who was protected from Two-inch bees, no, right. or three-inch bees. Or three-inch bees. bees. Yeah, that was from just McCann having a letter tray over his face. So a lot of the times, and it was like it looked like a beekeeper thing, but it had big gaps, so it's like right, right. certain size bees could get through it easily. And um, so and it was a long sketch where it was. It was a lot was, of McCann putting male paraphernalia on his head. Yes, <laughs> it's true. Coming a sketch. Yeah, the there were so box. many. There were so the many wonderful box. little accidents, you know, mm-hmm. like that. Like I, I there's a question for McCann. Preparation H. Raymond. I have no idea. It was originally How, that a char- was that started in the room too. I think. It, I remember the first Someone, time he appeared. Yeah. He was in that sketch where uh, it was. It, it, he was originally called the, the Seeker, right? Because he was a guy who was always showing up when he was looking for some ans- big answer to something. Right. Yeah. And then um, he, that was the Be Yourself Gang. The be- <laughs> that was another was the name of the sketch. Two A.M. Desperation. Two A.M. Hail Mary Pass. Yeah, that was insane. And um, I remember. Uh, McCann added in the preparation H part later, and um, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why, but it 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 stuck real nicely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have a character you loved that you wish you could do more? Or I know after a while you did God a lot, and then yeah. after a while I think Conan when you was played like, God on Colbert, also. Right? Oh, in the ceiling, it's more of like an animated oh, puppet. Oh, okay. But I, I have uh, <laughs> it's like a animated. Puppet thing. I I always enjoy doing it, but I know sometimes we can uh, push something a little too far, and uh, and it can get a little stale sometimes. You know, I know with some characters at late night, we like we tried to do a second inappropriate sketch a little too fast because the first the response was so great mm-hmm. to the first one, right? And I felt like we rushed. Oh, I don't it. remember we that. Try to squeeze we too did, much juice out. Yeah. yeah, we did it. We we tried rushing it, and it wasn't part of a satellite batch the second time, so okay. it wasn't really protected. Yeah, and it was it was okay, but. I kind of wish we left it alone as the one. So sometimes I feel like I, I've been guilty of pushing stuff a little too far. The, no, no, the, it's it was the nature of doing five shows a week, and yeah, uh, yeah. If something's popular, it only makes sense to do it again. There was one uh, bit that we did called Destructo that was about uh, Destruct. I don't it, remember. It was Destructo. Tommy was an alien who'd been sent oh. to Earth <laughs> to destroy Conan. 
and his finger had been genetically designed just to push a button to destroy Conan, but he kept getting distracted by mundane things I like his girlfriend's now. like, why don't you drive Billy to karate practice? And he's like, and he would get telemarketer phone right, calls. Right, right. But he's like, prepare for your destruction. <laughs> and I remember Liz and everybody in the crew, uh, Liz, our, Liz Plunk, our old director, right. and everybody was like, you guys will be doing a lot of these yes. ones. Because everybody was like, this yeah. is really funny. We were crying and we're, it was a tour de force. It was really funny. And it got... It, I remember you could tell from the first time we did it that the audience did not share oh, our enthusiasm. No. And, but, I blame the audience. It was one no. of those things where I was like, "Well, I can't, I can't say they're wrong, but we really did love it." And that yeah. was one where I was like, "Oh, I was, we were just a little off from what, um, from what they wanted." But I, mean, I like to think people at home enjoyed it more than yeah. the people in the room. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sometimes, sometimes you go, "Okay, the studio hated it," but. <laughs> Uh, what's yeah, the phrase? It'll just... play well at home. <laughs> that happened with the kids phrase. show. You It'll play the, well at home. Well, the all kids audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching that at home that night, and I was just rolling on the floor laughing at how hilarious it was. And because it was an all kids audience, the whole premise was that they we were bringing guests that they wouldn't be interested in, right. like yeah. Myron Kandel, right? right. We had and, an economist, yeah, an economist, <laughs> and all this stuff. And um, we really so, leaned into pissing off, yeah, our audience of nine year old children. And and your gut instinct as a performer is when you're hearing silence that it's failure, yeah. But then I watched it at home later, and I'm like, oh yeah, most of the people watching at home aren't little kids, and they're right. really enjoying right. this this insanity. It, that show when we we try to walk the balance of stuff that children would hate and uh, so you know grown-ups would find that funny to watch but at the same time we were like oh well we, maybe we gotta occasionally try to make them laugh but, pander sometimes yes yeah. exactly and we thought we had pander stuff that would get us like almost all the way through the show but within <laughs> within like four minutes, we're like, oh no! Oh, no. well, they didn't even like the pander stuff. Uh, we you just started running out of steam. Well, there they, was a they board were onto us, and they were just like, ah. You remember the Blair. boredom monster? Yes, there was a monster coming down the hall <laughs> that could sense kids boredom and was or is going to come in and uh, eat everyone. <laughs> right, and so he's coming down the hall, and um, the audience, the kids are like, boo! <laughs> uh, we're gonna put that whole show. Up online. So. Oh, that'd yeah. be fun. I remember so it ended with Silly String yay. and everything. So the children in that audience who are now grown with families can. Yeah. Oh, now God, they'll finally find it funny. They were. Yeah. yeah. I'll occasionally bump into old interns of ours, like uh-huh. just a Grand Central or something, and they have kids now. It's very strange. Oh, wow. That is strange. <laughs> that was like, you know, I realized now I started at Conan 22 years ago, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there, there's kids who, they're, they're all older than I was when they were interns, and. It's even stranger when they come back as guests, like Ellie Kemper, you know, right. former, yeah. former interns. Or, I know. They come back as guests. It's always, uh, or John Krasinski, John Krasinski you know. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie, I, re- I remember, and she met her husband. Yeah, Michael. Yeah. Michael mm-hmm. Coleman, who's a writer. And uh, when the iPhone came out, they did that great sketch. That was great, yeah. About all the different things you could do with it. And it's, it's really crazy to watch that sketch because... One of the scenarios is they're using the iPhone as a baby monitor. Oh, that's right. And she's pregnant, and they're looking. You know, they're having a baby together, and yeah, now they have. Oh, have that one. was it's, before they were. Even they weren't dating? dating yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's I mean, right. as far yeah. as we know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Not the, as far as I know, they weren't. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll never know. <laughs> There's no way we can find that, that information. All right. 
Brian, thank you so much. Thank you for having it's me. It's so great to, to really see you both see again you. and yeah. uh, really miss you. And it's yeah. great to talk to you again. This is great. It's great to catch up. I know. And I know our listeners are going to, I mean, you're just, you're one of the greats. Oh, you are Thanks, Jesse. So <laughs> such a big part of the yes. the show throughout it, its many incarnations. Yep. Well, I'm very grateful to have been a part of it, and uh, especially since I wasn't supposed to be there very long. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that. I love that. I story. know. I That's do great. too. I yeah. I was so grateful to uh, have the years that I had there, and. Um, it would have been neater if it was you were supposed to do 13 weeks and you ended up staying 13 years. <laughs> exactly. 18 years, it doesn't line up quite it, right. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not as poetic. I would shorten it to 13 years. <laughs> I, I will, for future stories. Yes. Well, we can edit that. Yeah. All right. Well, Thank thanks you, a lot. Brian. Thanks so much. Okay. Hope to see you soon. You too. Bye. Well, All right. That, that was it. That was our show. And, uh, can't wait to see you guys uh, next week. Have a happy and safe 5th of July. Yes. Have I a- know some of you celebrate that. I think that's the Canadian 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And we're working. We're trying to get Robert Mueller on the show because uh, I think he's a big Conan fan. <laughs> we're trying to scoop Congress. So we'll try to have him on before the 17th. Yeah. So let's no tune in next week to see if we got yeah. Mulsey. I mean, we, we sent an email to his office. Mueller at Gmail. I haven't heard back yet. I, we will have an episode next week. I don't know if it will be Robert Mueller. But don't worry about it. It's going to be great. Why are you acting like it's not going to be good? I don't know why you're so negative about Robert Mueller. <laughs> I think we can get him. Yeah, we'll probably get him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll lure him in with our erectile You know who we probably ads. could actually get is James Comey. That is uh, absolutely true. (laughs) We're the only show of any kind that hasn't had them. It's true. All right. Well, so Comey, Mueller, if not Mueller, Comey. Great. We'll see you next week. We like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Kevin Bartelt. Engineered by Will Beckton. Mixed by Ryan Connor. Supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Associate producer, Jen Samples. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross. Jeff team, Ross. Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. Ta-da! This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 